0: Welcome to Grazia Life Advice. I'm Lottie Jeffs, this time someone who started out all those years ago in S Club Juniors and went on to become one of the members of girl band The Saturdays.
1: Hi, I'm Frankie Bridge and I'm this week's guest on the Grazia Life Advice podcast.
0: Frankie has her own clothing brand and, as we'll hear later, she's passionate about sharing her experiences with mental health issues in order to help others
1: taking antidepressants it has like a real stigma attached to it people really feel that they shouldn't be on them or that they mask things or that it's embarrassing and they shouldn't talk about it it's something that i've always spoken about quite openly
0: we go right back to the early days of frankie's pop career when she successfully auditioned to be in simon fuller's s club juniors for a cbbc show
1: being in two pop groups you know, our lives are planned for us. They're organised for us. 365 days of the year, you're told where to go, what you're going to be wearing and what you're doing. And I've just always done as I was told, you know.
0: We also talk about the experience of being pregnant, which is something that Frankie says didn't come naturally to her.
1: I was hungry all the time. I felt sick and I was full of water. And, you know, my body changed what it felt like overnight.
0: We really cover a lot of ground in this chat, So here she comes, Frankie Bridge. Hi Frankie, thank you so much for joining us on the Grazia podcast today. It's so nice to see you. Thank you, thanks for having me. And to see you again, because actually we were at a dinner together last night. And last time I saw you, we were drinking some picante cocktails.
1: I know, yeah. I mean, what a small world. The night before, I've never met you before, and then the night before we're about to do a podcast, we meet. It was wild. It was destiny. I know. (laughs) They were good cocktails, but I definitely had too many. How are you feeling today? How's today been? I actually feel okay, but when my alarm went off at half six this morning, I was like, why?
0: Yeah, that's rough. That's rough. And you're doing so much stuff at the moment. You've got a brand launch, you've got this health and happiness app. How are you kind of managing it all? What are you what are you sort of doing to like keep everything in its orbit?
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um I definitely have days where I think you know, maybe I should be more organized and you know, one of those people that has like a proper working diary on the wall, you know, when you throw kids into the mix, all these different work things um can get a bit overwhelming, but I don't know, I don't I suppose I don't really know much different. I've been working from such a young age. I'm kind of used to having a manic life. So mm. I quite like it. And when things are too quiet, I find it really difficult. I just kind of get on with it and see what happens.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well you obviously don't all right. I mean <laughs> um actually you're here to share your life advice with us today and it's a very special grazia life advice for me because it's my last one so not only were you kind of gifted to me from the the (laughs) divine powers last night but this is also a really special um moment for me so i'm really excited to talk to you about your life advice and to hear what you have got in store for us so do you think you could tell us your first piece of life advice
1: It was actually really difficult when someone asks you for six pieces of life advice you would think that it would come really easily but you really have to sit and think back through I don't know times in your life where you've had conversations and I don't think sometimes advice seems I think we all think of it as this one little quote that someone's given you and it's going to stick in your mind forever but Actually, funnily enough, this one is kind of a quote and I can't, um, I don't know if I'm saying it 100%, but you'll get the gist. So um, my late therapist, um, he wrote in my first book, Open, which is all about my journey with my own mental health. And I have always found that taking antidepressants, it has like a real stigma attached to it. People really feel that They shouldn't be on them or that they mask things or that it's embarrassing and they shouldn't talk about it. And, um, it's something that I've always spoken about quite openly. And he explained it so well to me once. He said that taking medication is like wearing a life jacket. It keeps you bobbing along and it doesn't let you sink. It then all just made so much sense to me because obviously I still have depression. I still have anxiety But it stops me from having those big, massive crashes where I may end up back in hospital because I had a mental breakdown when I was younger. So when I think of it like that, it doesn't seem like such a big taboo.
0: Yeah, totally. And almost like if you think of that analogy of being in a life jacket, bobbing along, it's like what you do then in that situation is up to you. But you've got that support. So it's not solving everything. It's not rescuing you but it's just giving you a helping hand, right? Yeah,
1: exactly. So I always, I still do therapy. I don't do one or the other. I think the two need to go together. Sometimes you really need to get things out of your brain because you can be thinking something for months. And then when you say it out loud, you can realize how Mm. ridiculous that thing sounds. Um, And I think, you know, we forget Mm. other things, the things we eat, the things we do, like exercise or finding the joy and making time to see your friends or you know whatever makes you happy and whatever help with those whatever helps with those feelings of anxiety and depression like you say they're not all fixed Mm. from that one piece of medication and I just think like you say it's the same as a life jacket you know it's gonna help to keep you alive but the decisions you make and the things you do fundamentally are gonna do that for you
0: because it's a chemical rebalancing right it's not Anything that people need to feel is kind of um, a reflection on their inability to cope with things that other people can cope with.
1: Exactly. Mental health has become such a thing now. You know, people talk about it so much more openly and eloquently, and it's not such a shock now. But I think before that, we were conditioned to think that it was something to be embarrassed by and to be hidden. And it's not. We all have our own things like he also used to say if someone had diabetes you wouldn't expect them to stop taking insulin or if they had asthma you wouldn't expect them to not have an inhaler Mm -hmm. but for some reason with mental health we think that it's a completely different medical issue and that it's not as important and I think we're learning uh, but I think sometimes you just need those little reminders to kind of help you along the way
0: totally yeah and actually your second piece of advice i think ties into this whole conversation mm-hmm. and it's that you can't control yeah. everything and so tell me about how you kind of first came to understand this
1: i think with age that came to me so a lot of my anxiety comes from uh feeling the need to kind of keep everyone happy and everyone healthy so um you know i've always been a bit of a people pleaser and Uh, I've always worried about people's health and you know fundamentally I can't I have no control over how healthy you are or how healthy the person next to me is but for some reason my brain made me feel like those things were all my responsibility and I had my first child at 23 23 24 and it wasn't really until then that it really made sense to me that I really can't control everything, which seems so silly now. Um, But I think once you have children, or even if you look at children, you know, they have this real innocence about them, first of all. So, you know, I would watch them on the trampoline, and I'd think how carefree they are. And, you know, their life at that moment is just in that trampoline and they're just enjoying themselves and they can really feel the joy of that. And no matter how much I wrap them up in cotton wool or bubble wrap and as much as I try and shield them from the bad things in the world and people hurting them and making them sad, they're still going to fall over. They're still going to bump their head. They're going to graze their knee. Someone's going to say something mean to them and they're going to be upset by it. And I don't know why, but it was just those things with Parker that just really cemented for me that I can't control everything. And I've spent 23 years of my life trying to, and it was time to give up. Yeah.
0: It's almost like as soon as you become pregnant, that is like the moment that you realize like, this is all out of my control. Because like up until that point, you can kind of really assert your s- sort of sense of knowing what's mm-hmm. going to happen on most things in your life. But with that, it's literally the craziest thing because you're just like, well, I've now got nine months of not knowing mm-hmm. what the hell is going to happen and it could end really well. It could not end well. Any number of things can happen. And I feel like that sort of set the tone for like my parenting journey of like, oh, okay, so... I've got to learn to be okay with this because actually that's then like your baby's Mm -hmm. born and you don't know if it's going to be okay or you're going to end up in hospital. And then as you say, it's like at school, it's being bullied. Like the whole thing is just like wildly out of your hands, isn't it?
1: Exactly. And I think, I I don't know why it took me that long to realize that. And actually, like you said, you completely reminded me, yeah, that feeling of being pregnant of I am someone that had always really, always really controlled what I ate and felt like I had real control over what my body looked like. And then I got pregnant and that just completely changed. I was hungry all mm. the time. I felt sick and I was full of water and you know, my body changed right. what it felt like overnight. And I think that was my first feeling of being out of control. And I really didn't like it. I really hated it. Like I'm not mm. someone that sells pregnancy well because I really didn't enjoy that feeling. Um, it's a bit like I never used to like roller coasters and stuff because I just couldn't. I couldn't handle the feeling of being mm. stuck on something that I had no control over stopping yeah, if I didn't that's like. That's
0: exactly it, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> it's like getting on a long haul flight and you're just like, your
1: it's out of your hands. It's Just in the hands of the yeah.
0: gods now.
1: Yeah. So you, I think you then teach yourself to not get so don't get me wrong I still get anxiety but I can count on one hand how many panic attacks I've had since having my kids and that's just mad yeah, that's great
0: mm. what is your third piece of advice
1: my third piece of advice is that people don't always want or need solutions and sometimes they just want to be listened to or just want you to be there for them
0: this is such a good piece of advice that it's taken so long to realize I'm really pleased that you brought this one up
1: it seems so simple and I think you know I don't want to make this all about mental health but I think as someone who you know has suffered and has had those times and learning to open up to friends and family it took Me, quite a few years to realize what I wanted from someone in those moments. And it has taught me how to approach my friends and family when they come to me with an issue or a feeling. Because I think we all want to fix things. We all want to jump in and feel like we're doing our best for someone that we love. And actually, we can't fix everything the same way that we can't control everything. We don't always have the answers. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're in that moment, when you're feeling sad or you're feeling stressed, you don't want someone to chuck a load of ideas at you or ways to fix things. You just want someone to go, yeah, that's rubbish. I've felt like this before. And just to sit and listen to you or to just put their arm around you and just to listen.
0: Mm, Yeah. I'm so guilty of being the person that like, is like, oh, okay, something's wrong. So Um, I've Googled all these things and why don't you try this or this? And like, I've set up this thing for you and maybe you could do this. And like, I actually realized recently that it's just not what people want, especially if it's something like nuanced and like mental health, you know, Mm -hmm. it can be stressful then to have all these like solutions presented to you. Yeah. And just listening is okay. It doesn't mean you're less of a friend or a support. It's actually just what But I think it's
1: our way of coping as well I think sometimes like I still you know find it difficult not to do it and I even the same with my kids is I have to sometimes think no they need to figure it out for the for themselves
0: that's a really interesting one with kids yeah how you do that I mean god knows my daughter's not is just starting school on Monday and how you do that thing when they're at school and like not getting involved in every argument and like I can really see myself meddling <laughs> and like trying to fix it all <laughs> just being a nightmare but I think you, and, know. you know to really take heed yeah of. I think you
1: know from when you were young like you know I have one friend whose parent was you know always at the school she'd be down there fighting all the battles and my mum was the complete opposite she'd be like you know if you fell out of a friend oh you'll be friends by next week or whatever and I remember sometimes having those moments where I thought oh I wish you were like the other mum that would come down and fight for me Mm. and actually she was always right we'd always figure it out and I think she's actually taught me the right lesson in that you know I often have to fight my own battles and they might not be battles they might just be stressful situations and sometimes you sleep on it and things are better the next day you know there's so many ways to solve it and sometimes you have just got to figure it out on your
0: own definitely we'll be back with more great advice from Frankie after this and we're back talking to Frankie Bridge. Your fourth piece of advice is not to surround yourself with yes people. Tell me (laughs) a bit more about that one.
1: I have just learned over the years that being surrounded by people that tell you how great you are, or agree with everything that you say, is just not a healthy or a happy way to live. I think it crops up in lots of walks of life I think you know when you're young and you're making friends sometimes you'll just agree with people and we all kind of follow each other and whatever but I think especially in my industry being in the entertainment industry and things like that for so many years from such a young age I think by having honest people around me has kept me grounded and I genuinely believe that that is the main thing because I've done some crazy things in my life and I've experienced some great stuff, but my friends from home will always be the first people to bring me back down to earth or people that work with me. You know, I'd, I know it sounds so silly, but if I had a stylist that just told me I look great in everything, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust her. You know, I wouldn't ever believe her or I think they stop you from making bad decisions and turning into a bit of an idiot. (laughs)
0: Definitely. And there's celebrities that you can, well, in my experience of, you know, being an interviewer and stuff that you just know they've got too many yes people around them because they've lost all perspective of how their behavior is Mm -hmm. reading to other people. Because if you're surrounded by people that just like let you get away with behaving badly the whole time, you stop realizing there's anything wrong with it.
1: No, exactly. People just feed into other people's egos, and I think sometimes that's to benefit benefit themselves more than it is you. So it's kind of a double mm. double whammy. I think it, it doesn't do you any good either. But also, I feel like they it can often mean that they're not there for the right reasons. Um, and I'm quite an honest person, you know. If mm. a for a girlfriend asks me how she looks, I'm not going to be rude to her, but I'll tell her what I think. And I yeah. fully. Expect that back.
0: <laughs> I love it. Your fifth piece of advice is be nice to work with and you'll yes. always have work. I do agree.
1: When I was in S Club Juniors, you know, I was what like 12 to 15. And I'd worked with lots of people over that time. And I had and my manager was Simon Fuller, who managed like the Spice Girls and S Club 7 and You know, I was in these ridiculous situations at such a young age. And I remember when S-Cub Juniors finished and thinking, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do next? And I remember him saying to me that people love working with you. People like being around you. And if you just continue to be nice to work with and work hard, then you'll always have work. And that's always stuck with me. And now I'm 33 and still doing a job that I love yeah so he was completely right I don't think that comes with being fake I think you can be real you don't have to pretend but you know I don't understand why you would want to go into a job and make it miserable for everyone
0: no and people remember stuff like on shoots you know if you're nice to the intern and you remember their name or you have a conversation with them they'll always remember Mm. that it means so much and it's quite easy to do and then When that intern is a fashion director of an amazing (laughs) magazine in 10 years' time, like they'll still think well of you. So I think it's smart, definitely. Mm -hmm. I agree. Now, your sixth piece of advice. Tell me, uh, what is your sixth piece of advice, Frankie?
1: I don't know if it's one you've probably heard before, but for me it's been a real learning curve and um, it's okay to say no. I think I massively started to learn this during lockdown, was my big realization of how affected I am by social anxiety um, and people pleasing, like I said before. And, you know, my husband's always said to me, you just need to learn to say no to people because I would find that I'd get myself into these situations where I would know that a certain event or a certain dinner or whatever that I might not be able to make it or when it comes to it, it's probably not going to make me feel good, but I feel like I have to say yes. And then it would get closer and it would be worse because then I'd cancel last minute or whatever. I'd let someone down. So I wouldn't want to let someone down, but in order of trying not to let them down, I would let them down. <laughs> um, right. So I think in lockdown for me, what was nice was those social anxieties were taken away because we weren't allowed to see each other and People weren't out doing things that I should be doing and things like that. And I think now that we've come back to normal life, um, I've managed to kind of take that with me and realize that you don't have to say yes to anything and everything. And if you are just honest and upfront about it from the get go, people are actually normally fine about it. You know, I'm not horrified if someone says no to me. So absolutely. Yeah. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I can imagine it's something that is really, especially in your industry and like given how young you were when you first got into the business, like it must be so learned as a a kind of behavior of just like saying yes to everything and going to this thing. And if you mm-hmm. don't, you know, like it, it must feel so tenuous, like, oh, if you don't go to that thing, maybe the whole thing will fall apart.
1: Oh, a 100%. Yeah. And I think as well, just... Being in two pop groups, like it's no shock to everyone that you're, you know, our lives are planned for us. They're organized for us. 365 days of the year, you're told where to go, what you're going to be wearing and what you're doing. And I've just always done as I was told, you know, whereas now you don't have to be an ass about it. But if something doesn't feel good for you or if I don't want to say something on TV or if I don't want to do a particular thing, I've learned that I can say no and people might still like me (laughs) you know Um, so it's just I think we all do it in social situations work situations and I think there's so many people that you know can learn to say no
0: a few more times definitely I think I probably need to learn how to (laughs) say no it's been so great to hear all of your six pieces of really good advice, Frankie, but um, our last piece of advice is something that someone said to you that um, hasn't been a particularly good piece of advice and maybe you didn't listen to it or maybe you wish now that you hadn't listened to it. Do you have a piece of bad advice?
1: Um, yes. Um, so a few years ago, a person who shall remain unnamed <laughs> said to me that with, within work, that I should pick a lane and stick to it and
0: Mm. I remember at
1: the time (laughs) thinking of this person thinking well this is rich coming from you because they do lots of different things but then also panicking and thinking god like how do I pick one thing and am I really you know, ruining my chances in my career by doing too many different things. And, you know, it really played on my mind for a really long mm. time. And so I started to try and do that. I thought, oh, I'll go for just doing TV and maybe just doing presenting. And and actually, I learned very quickly that that's just not really the world that we live in anymore, um, especially in, you know, in our industry there are so many parts to it now. You know, you've got you've got social media, you've got TV, you've got print, you've got podcasts, you've got everything. And I think it's just such a restrictive and old-fashioned way to look at work.
0: Totally. Yeah. It's so old-fashioned.
1: It's so old-fashioned. You have things as well that, you know, you do because it pays well and you know it might not bring you as much joy Mm. but you you need to do it to pay the mortgage and to pay the bills but then you have things that you just absolutely Mm. love and they're your passion and you get to do and I just think people aren't one-dimensional you know we have so many things that we like and so many things that we are able to do why not explore them all
0: exactly Like, I wonder if kids today at school still have like a careers advisor, like we used to have. Do you, did you ever do that? And it would be like, you'd fill out a form and then they'd be like, you are going to be a teacher and that's it. That's all there is. You know, you're going to do this one thing. Like, I hope that that sort of service has changed to reflect the modern nature of the world we live in and the nature of work.
1: I really think it needs to. I just think, it's such a silly way of looking at life, you know, like even people in nine to five office jobs often have like, I don't know, I guess what people say, like a side hustle that they sell things mm. online or they draw or whatever it is. And I think it's, it's such a nice, nice way to be. And why put all your eggs in one basket? I think we all learn with COVID that, you know, things can change in an instant and we all had to adapt so I think even more reason to have lots of strings to your bow and and lots of different ways
0: of making income yeah and talking of strings to your bow do you want to just like tell us a few of the amazing things that you're doing at the moment
1: yeah so I am currently a loose woman on loose women and
0: (sighs) amazing I mean You've arrived, basically, with that. That is just brilliant.
1: I I do love it. You know, when I was younger, I used to go on as a guest, and I was always like a little bit scared to go on. You know, a panel of strong ladies, and and actually, as I've got older, I really love the idea that I get to go on and I get to have an opinion because it's just not something that is asked of you when you're in pop groups. Yeah, (laughs) so I really love that. Um, I currently have my own clothing label that is sold in Tesco's and on Next um, called FW Bridge and that's a real passion project for me. It's something that I've always wanted to do and to to have something Amazing. that is so accessible you know in somewhere like Tesco's and Next yeah. is is so great yeah, yeah, and I've been doing some fitness stuff with an app called RWL because that was something I found during lockdown that really helped me keep fit, keep my mind in check and keep me healthy so um that just was something that organically happened which is a really nice way for things to start so yeah busy
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us today Frankie it's been really great to have you on Grazia Life Advice I really enjoyed chatting to Frankie and I can't get over the coincidence that we bumped into each other at dinner last night and were able to have a quick little pre-brief about the Grazia Life podcast that we were going to be recording the next morning together, which was so nice. So thank you again to her and thank you for being with us. That's actually it for now and it's it for this series. Grazia Life Advice will be back soon. However, this is also my last episode as host. I've had such a brilliant time chatting with some fantastic guests like Frankie, but also some of my favourites have included Anya Hindmarsh, Grace Dent, Jess Phillips, Izzy Sutty, Kate Moss, Sigrid, Emma B. I mean, what a brilliant lineup of women. I thought, though, I would leave with a A little piece of my own life advice, which I've been sitting on for quite a long time now, um, listening to other people's advice. My first piece of life advice is to think the best of people. I think we often feel that people, friends, colleagues, people on social media are out to get us. And sometimes they are, but I prefer to work from a place of assuming that people are good and Sometimes they just make mistakes or misunderstand things or react in inappropriate ways, but that it comes from a good place. So I feel like once you just work from a place of seeing the best in someone, it kind of frees you up emotionally and it makes it a lot easier to deal with the things that life throws at you in terms of relationships. My second piece of life advice is to always be on time. And in order to always be on time, I try to be 11 minutes early. Now, I say 11 minutes because that is the exact amount of time it takes to, if you're meeting in a restaurant, go to the bathroom, freshen up, go back to your seat, have a glass of water, settle in, get ready for who you're going to meet so it doesn't feel like you're in a sort of mad flap when you arrive somewhere. I always like to be sort of calm and put together in myself before I meet a friend. So I always think being early is such, it's just such an easy thing to do. And I think if you're not, it can come across as a little bit rude and thoughtless and just means that you didn't value the experience enough to kind of think what time you might need to leave to be there on time. And then finally, so my third piece of advice, and this is something that has really seen me through those awkward social moments and networking events and work do's and parties where you don't really know anyone is to ask questions. And I think if you can ask people good questions, you will always have a good conversation. People will always leave that conversation thinking you were interesting, even if they just talked about themselves for 10 minutes because people actually love talking about themselves and asking questions really makes people feel like you're listening that you care about them and it's a really great way of connecting with people and I think that it's kind of a dying art I've noticed socially people aren't very good often at asking questions and it can leave you feeling like there's nowhere to go in this conversation I don't know what to how to extricate myself from this like awkward social situation so I think just having a few interesting questions up your sleeve what have you been up to today is a great conversation starter and um, a way to kind of engage someone and then ask them about themselves their family their kids you know make somebody feel good about themselves I think asking questions is a real superpower. So they are my three pieces of life advice. Do with them what you will. I have really enjoyed hearing other people's life advice. And that's it from me. Bye.